Jeff Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? And jumped onto Wikipedia. I was like, oh, there it is. I've refused to get on the look, <laughs> as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts. Jose and Trevor. Hello there. You have tuned into episode 48 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utility Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Pudu out of it. I am Jose, a.k.a. Joxie in the Utiniverse. And with me today, one of the other contenders to play Han Solo that wasn't... Uh, it's not Burt Reynolds. It's not Al Pacino. Not Jack Nicholson. Not Christopher Walken. But... The lovely Mr. Trevor Davey. Is this more like saying I'm old? You, is that where you're going with that? I'm again? just, I just, I <laughs> put on, you, Dave. I put you in a list of great people there, man. <laughs> okay. So, okay. you know, don't complain. Do you want me to start again and find some other random fact? All right, no. Okay, so I'm yeah. Trevor. Keep up with okay. timeline pages over at utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media, and I've read over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. So, for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show where once we've decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs, I'll do as little research as possible, and we can talk about anything Star Wars. Legends, canon, books, comics, TV, video games, even miscellaneous newspaper clippings, and hopefully keep you entertained and informed over the next hour. And on today's episode, we have, uh, again, like, you know, every now and then we decide to do something completely different, something new, so... Today is no different than that, and uh, we will be, uh, we have a bit of a, a round table, is that what you would call this? I, I, I guess so, I, I haven't even got as far as what we're going to call this episode, or how we're going to describe All right. it. Alright, well we actually have two guests with us today, two other fellow uh, Utini members, so um, why don't we, you guys introduce yourselves, uh, let's start with uh, you Oz, um, the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> yeah, that's me, yeah. Yeah. Uh... I don't have anything nearly as interesting as, as Trevor's audition for the role of Han Solo to go for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm Oz. I uh, met Trev and Jose recently at Star Wars Celebration. And uh, I don't know if this next hour will be quite as interesting as our times were <laughs> out in Anaheim. But uh, I'm looking forward to whatever this is going to be. What happens in Anaheim stays in Anaheim. Okay, I've got, I've got your backles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, and we also have Gia with us today. Hey, Gia, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here, and I was so excited to meet you guys at Celebration, too. It was my very first celebration, and um, can't wait to talk about the Force, my favorite topic in the world, basically. All right. Okay, well, um, typically we do ask our guests to kind of like start off by talking about how they, 
you know, they got introduced to Star Wars and all that. But I'm going to just leave that all the way to the end because I just really want to dive in into what we're going to talk about today. So as Gia just said, the Force, of course, we're going to touch on that. I mean, you know, it's, it is the thing that binds us, blah, 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 blah. But I'm going to start off with the first question here right off the gate. Whoever wants to jump in first can. But the first question here is, so was Anakin Skywalker the chosen one? And did he bring balance to the Force? How about that? Wow. <laughs> Why not start there? Wow. <laughs> okay. Yes. What do you got, guys? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just that <Us>? simple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Show's I, over, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, at least of the questions you sort of, this wasn't on the list, by the way, um, but of the we questions know. you told us, I feel like every every answer, it's like, okay, well, are you asking me or are you asking George Lucas? Because mm, he thinks right. that yes. Mm-hmm. I'm less convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think the the whole nature of prophecy, which I'm sure we're going to get into, is that it's, it is murky. Mm-hmm. Um, that's dealt with some in, in some of the recent books. Master and Apprentice talked a lot about that. Uh I don't think it's so simple. I think maybe you could say like his lineage was the chosen one, if you will. Um, Cause I don't think that, that throwing the emperor down a lightning pit absolves him and, and gives him credit for the balance, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gia then, why don't you expand on your yes and yes? Well, um, one interesting thing that I just saw today, cause in preparing for this episode, I went and watched The Clone Wars, which I love, one of my favorite Star Wars media, and I watched season six, episode 11. It's when Yoda begins hearing the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn, and Yoda doesn't know if he's going crazy or if it's the dark side manipulating him. And they, they put Yoda in this sensory deprivation chamber, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with Yoda, and then they put him on bed rest, And Yoda basically tries to sneak out of the temple. He has to sneak away from the guards, and he calls for Anakin Skywalker, which I thought was so interesting, because in my mind, I thought it was Ahsoka that helped him. But he calls for Anakin, and Anakin shows up, and he says, I need you to help get me out of here, basically break me out, which Anakin does. And I thought it was so interesting, because I thought, wow, Anakin just helped him take the step forward that would help him help Luke to save Anakin. And um, I think Anakin was the chosen one. A question I've had for a long time and I was gonna ask you all at the end was, did Anakin need to go to the dark side in order to get the power to defeat Darth Sidious? I'm not entirely sure, but I think that he defeated Sidious enough to bring balance back to the force and to set he weakened Sidious enough that Ray was able to come back and she was able to deal with him, Kyla, with Ben Solo. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of that really depends, right, on when one has balance ever been achieved through the whole saga, right? Because, I mean, I would even say when the movie starts, there is no balance because it's all just light side. Well, see, so, and that's, that's kind of the whole thing because that, to George, was balance. Uh, you know, George, who I'm on a first name basis with. That was, I mean, that was his idea, but people will talk about, oh, well, the rule of two balanced out because there were two and then there was Luke and Leia and now it's balanced. But yeah, that's not how Lucas saw it. And 
I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone should strive for that to be their balance. Like, okay, I've got 10 good people. We need 10 evil people. <laughs> and, and then we're set. Like, you, right. want, you don't want both sides to be the I same. I think, um, I think balance I isn't a static thing. It's not a static frame of, of like, I mean, balance is constantly shifting and flowing and moving. And if it was perfectly still, nothing would really happen. And I think it kind of, it shifts and it flows back and forth, kind of like the ocean. So we we mentioned the the prophecy itself. So I've actually got on my screen a copy of the prophecy. Oh, cool. Oh, that's a good one. I'm honestly surprised that you have to read it, Trev. I just figured you'd know (laughs) it. Yeah. Well, interesting fact. So the prophecy is from the Jedi Path reference book by Dan Wallace. Naturally. Now, at the beginning of that book, there's a load of pages that are ripped out. And so you don't see the prophecy. Luke makes a comment how these pages were ripped out before he got the book. But in the digital version, these pages existed and then got overlapped with the blank ripped page. So people managed to extract this existing pre-written page <laughs> to get it on the internet. When you say people uh, managed to do that, was it you? Geeks. Was no, it, you? it wasn't me. <laughs> that one was not me. Um, and the, prof- the entire prophecy says, in the time of great despair, a child shall be born who will destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. That is the entire prophecy. Mm. It basically talks about how it's one of the oldest prophecies on Mort- of Mortis. So whether it originated from there or not, we don't know. And it's held in an ancient hologram, but it talks about balance. And it says that, you know, balance doesn't mean that good accepts the existence of evil, um, just that balance is the circle of life, you know, and it is nature and natural. But the growth of the dark side disrupts that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it talks about the obliteration of the Sith. Right, so you have to get rid of the Sith to achieve that balance. It says destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. Yeah, so, so... the Sith themselves cause the Force to be unbalanced, which is what we see in the prequel trilogy with the dark side clouding mm-hmm. the Force and the ability of the Jedi to tap into it. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Well, so then, uh, Trev, would you argue then? It, it, does it have to be the Sith? Like in the sequels, is are we at a balance? No, and the I have issues with the balancing aspect. You know, was balance achieved? What is balance? Um, but then again, George Lucas's George, per, George, George, yeah, George. Sorry, his intention. I was going to say perception, but you know, it's not his perception because he designed it. His intention <laughs> is that. Anakin Skywalker was always the only one that could defeat the powerful Sith, as in Sidious slash Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Now, Palpatine's a clever guy. You know, he's not a stupid guy. He's done his homework. He knows that Anakin can bring him down. So mm-hmm. why not get him on side? So that disrupts the balance even more. Yeah, right. You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to kill Anakin because the Force created him because he's the chosen one. If I kill him, the Force is just going to send Anakin 2.0. Whereas if I corrupt him, he's with me. Then the Force doesn't like that much either. Does Palpatine know the prophecy? I I imagine so, yeah. I would assume so. But then the Force kind of reacts 
with Luke and Leia. Yeah, but this mm-hmm. is so also... it doesn't create them, but it does deliver twins capable of bringing down the combined forces of. So are you going that direction of of it brought twins, two versus two? Yes. Oh, and but, because but one is... versus one didn't work. I, right. But I mean, this is also just assuming, and this is this is where, like, I mean, and, and this gets now more into the rest of the questions uh, that I had shared with both of you guys. Because <laughs> I, the idea was that I wanted to start with this, and everything else that I, I shared with, with both Oz and Gia is, uh, is kind of derivative of this first question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to keep this one a little bit more secret to see <laughs> where you guys would go. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, you know, because, like, Something that I, I'm thinking, right, is that this is just assuming that the only two ways to feel the Force is the Sith or the Jedi, which we know is not true. Mm-hmm. It is a large and vast, uh, you know, galaxy that we have in there with a bunch of different planets, a bunch of different kinds of people, a bunch of different ways to connect to the Force. So just because the, the, the Jedi say, I mean, I guess... It, from the perspective of the Jedi, then yes, they're like they their only like villain is the Sith. So therefore for them the balance is to bring is to get rid of the Sith. So the, the prophecy whole, itself is biased. It's yeah, not the whole, I mean and the whole point of the prequel trilogy was saying it was showing that they were wrong about that. You yeah. Know, that, that they were they were too kind of of a one track mind and that their way is not always right. Right. And I think that I mean and because then if you start to really unravel it and open it up more, then it does bring, to me, then it's just really about trying to understand what the force is itself. Uh, I mean, then it's not really about, I mean, did Anakin Skywalker bring balance to the force? Maybe within a Jedi point of view, but if you really think about the overall thing, I mean, did it even matter (laughs) what he did? That is yeah. true because the force is in everything. Exactly. Life didn't go away when the Empire was ruling the galaxy. You know, no. life still existed. Right. Um, Always in motion, so... everything is. Yeah. That's why I really like that idea that uh, that you brought up, Gia, of just like, you know, balance always changing, you know, ebbs, you know, ebbs and flows, just like the ocean, just because it is... So There's ne- it's, it is never static. Therefore, you know, which... I've, I think I have brought it up before in our show where I'm like, I feel like that you can see the force as a sort of sentient being in and of itself. Because if it feels like it needs to create a an Anakin, and if it feels like it needs to give more power to like twins or whatever, then the force sort of has some agenda here. I'm but not sure. It sounds like you're arguing that the force doesn't really care because they're like, you know, there's probably some other Palpatine in some other galaxy doing the same mm. stuff. And so the force is like, ah, what's this, what's this one guy? I think this me? is coming down to what is the nature of the force. Yeah. Cause it seems Jose, like you think about it in a little bit, the way of a deity, like the force has an intention and the force maybe has a side and the force has mm. a desire that it's planning. And that's one way to think of it. But there's the Eastern concept, if you're thinking about it, like the Buddhist idea of emptiness or shunyata or the Tao. And it's that the force is all of creation and that all of creation creates and it destroys and there's heal, healing, loving energy within it. And then there is um, unbalanced, mean, cruel 
a sick energy into it. Like you can think about an ecosystem being healthy to have a healthy ecosystem. You need balance. And if something overgrows and starts suffocating or rotting or becomes like a tumor, then that's not bad. That's not good for the ecosystem. And then I think a lot of quantum. Hold, hold, hold. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Quick thought. So at this point in the timeline, who had overgrown? Had the Jedi overgrown? Uh-huh. Yes. Was yeah. Palpatine essential? 100%. Mm. Uh, I he was the cleanser. I don't know about the Palpatine so, side. I don't so see the Jedi as being that bad. I know you're a little anti-Jedi, Jose, but I don't not, see that they yes. were... They became... I'm not, you're saying Palpatine <laughs> brought balance to the Force. Wow. <laughs> Maybe he leveled the playing field to allow balance to be brought. I like this side of you, Trev. This is fantastic. <laughs> he's just hes just a gardener pruning back the roses for the spring. Yes. I don't see what exactly. was so wrong with the Jedi. I mean, I, they were serving the Republic and they became like soldiers for the Republic and that, that's always Boom, a problem. That's, that's the one. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know that they needed Darth Sidious to um, destroy and kill all of them. For no, to no, of course. Happen. I mean, C- what Sidious was doing was definitely evil. I mean, that's that is the part of like you know of some of the Sith. I guess it's like you know they they want more knowledge, they want more to know everything, but then they just end up being corrupted. Do by they all want of knowledge, this. or do they really want power? And control over everything. Do they want wisdom or control over everything? I mean, wisdom and knowledge are two different things. I think they mm-hmm. want control. Saying. They yeah. want power. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 100. I don't yeah. know how yeah. much they care. They seem to care about knowledge or wisdom, knowledge, say, so far in as it helps them have power. If it doesn't right. help them have power, are they that interested in it? But True. then Oz mentioned the, the pruning of Burroughs analogy. And um, I was flicking through Traitor from a New Jedi Order series in preparation for this episode, because that's got some great stuff on the Force. And it all depends on the gardener to decide what is a flower Mm -hmm. or a weed in each individual garden. Yeah. So one person's flower is another person's weed, and it's going to get pruned. Yeah. Maybe it's just a case of different viewpoints. Well, no, but I think not (laughs) from a certain point of view, that would be... um, But... um, it's I not only that, that though, <laughs> but there's also, I mean, like here in, in California, right? You know, we have all this like brush fires and all this stuff all the time, right? And the thing is, like, originally, like, you know, I, there's all you can't just let nature necessarily like overgrow all the time because then that's this is what's going to happen. So before we decided, or before some people from the East Coast in the U.S. decided that it's like, hey, let's not kill all like all the plants let it all live then this is also why we have a lot of these issues before the people that settled here beforehand um they did routinely and it's a practice that i think is done in multiple places around the world too right but you do purposely burn down sections of like your land in -hmm. order to better control like those fires and prevent things from being overgrown and then possibly destroying more so So you're saying that the the wheels wanted to destroy the jedi the what? You're saying that the wills, which, you know, is is essentially, if we're going to consider the Force to be sentient, then mm-hmm. that's going to go back to the wills yeah. that they wanted the Jedi brought to their knees. Is that what I don't you're know. About... I mean, I'm, I'm not sold on the whole sentience not, of the not, Force thing. I'm not just about... 
yeah not that. about being having them brought to their knees i'm just saying that you do like it's yeah you have to prune things down in order for things to be better balanced if you let things grow wild all the time then more chaos will come out of that so when he so what happens right now is that you when you do let like nature in like out here overgrow then we have severe droughts and it gets really hot and then fire fires come from that and because nature you know you have all this dried brush everywhere then it picks up the fire we, and then a lot of people end that. up losing their homes and are you comparing them to the jedi you're saying that was what was happening with the jedi or i think possibly the jedi but mm-hmm. just in general mm-hmm. it could be happening with anyone that gets too much of it but i think that with a jedi i mean yeah i maybe that's what happened there were mm. way too many jedi there weren't that many to control jedi. it they were all over this galaxy roughly ten thousand. trev i think that the force could be sentient but that doesn't mean it has an intention or a desire like i mean in animistic cultures but it clearly does if if we accept the desire may be balance it, yeah, it clearly has an agenda to have created Anakin in the first If it place. created Anakin, uh, if that is true. To, to have if, created Anakin. See, and that's why I tend to think of things a little bit in the Eastern way, like with the Tao or with, with this Buddhist conception, because Anakin could have been naturally born to bring balance, but that doesn't mean the Force was consciously like planning it. It's just life comes, balance comes organically through life. I don't, I guess I'm Hmm. not sure how intentional the force is or if it just is um, more the whole creative principle of the universe. Like the Tao. I don't know. Well, part of the the problem with even just this whole whole discussion, not to like. (laughs) throw it in the trash is that you've got sort of two views um we're we're sort of talking on like a macro level when you look at it at a storytelling level it's obvious that anakin was the chosen one right at least yeah when you look when you look at the the original six movies uh they follow an arc as far as um allegories go it's not a very subtle one you know he was he was born without a father and he came and saved humanity Mm -hmm. uh i think we've all read that story before but but then, you know, when you expand beyond that and, and you do look at, oh, well, there's a greater galaxy and it gets even murkier when you get into the mm-hmm. sequels, like, okay, well, was Anakin the chosen one or did nothing happen? And that's a whole separate discussion. Um, yeah, so if you're talking about it in, in like a, in a broad sense and getting really metaphysical with it, then it's, it's tough to say whether or not the Force has an agenda, but I kind of like to look at it from a from a narrative standpoint, yeah, and that I think makes that sense. It, I think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you do accept Trev that uh, the Force is Anakin's father, which that's uh, hotly debated. Um, uh, I, I don't say that it's his father. I say that the Force created Anakin. <laughs> okay, well, without getting into the biology of that, um, <laughs> I think I think if we accept that, then then it's got to have it. It's got to be an agenda. The yeah. force wasn't just like, oh, you know, there's this prophecy. I guess I better mm. go do that. These are mythic stories. I mean, there's so many stories like that in mythology. And, and Joseph Campbell was saying how Star Wars is the myth of our time. And there's stories of of women giving birth without a father in cultures all over the world. Now, I know this is 21st century America, but I don't, 
I just think it can leave it open to question for sure. That it's, I kind of feel like it's a mythology that's being told as a story, and yet we're bringing very a modern sensibility to interpreting it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess there's just so much mystery. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if we, I like what you're saying, Oz, about um, just thinking about it more into storytelling. Yeah, that makes sense. From, from, from a storytelling There's so many levels to it. That's why it's religion. Um, but I also just wonder if, um, if it's, uh, how do I say this? Well, is it just easier to tell the story if you don't have to deal with the father figure? So, yeah, I mean, or is it, is it more, is it a, is it a more compelling thing? You know, even the mythos of it, the legend of it, even with even within universe, isn't it just a little bit more compelling to be like, yeah, this this dude was born to a slave mother, no father. Like, obviously, a lot more people are going to just believe it as like a thing to father this sort of messiah type of like chosen one figure. If it's sort of like, whoa, like, okay, like, yeah, we should really follow this guy. So even to be fair, it it also wasn't. It wasn't really explored in any no. media. I don't think there was a single author who went, "Yeah, I'm going to touch that." I think we all went, "Right, George, you can have that one." Yeah. If you well, want to explain it, it's up to you. I mean, a few years ago, Charles Soule kind of teased it in his his Darth Vader run, and they sort of immediately had to walk it back because people were like, "Oh, it's confirmed." Uh, <laughs> well, because like he could still have been born with a whole bunch of midi chlorians uh, or M count if whatever version you want to call this but he could have just been you know with a father even if if it was an absentee father he could have still had a whole bunch of midichlorians and a whole right. bunch of sensitivity to the force and you can still have to tell the same story but you know uh, in terms of just trying to explain different. where the father mm-hmm. went like you don't want to like you don't have the space to tell that story therefore they're just like okay forget it let's not have a father figure i think he was intentionally making a connection to the virgin mary and jesus like pulling in on that story it would have been so different if there had been an actual father yeah no i mean uh, totally but that's what i'm saying then it's just really about a it's a literary sort of like you know choice Mm -hmm. or a storytelling choice that but if we look at it within universe it's like i don't know i mean i wonder how no one really questioned or did they did they even talk about it no (laughs) shmi's just like there was no father and qui-gon's like i uh that tracks he's like yeah well i guess qui-gon qui-gon you know is like obsessed with the prophecy so he's like oh right points in my favor Mm. Uh, (laughs) well so i mean now i you know i did bring up the the midichlorian so you know, and I feel like that's one of those things that with all the, the hate that I think the prequels got, you know, right after they, they were released and the whole, you know, the midichlorians is trying to make the whole idea of Star Wars a little bit more science fiction-y and less uh, mystical. <laughs> mystical. Um, there we go. That's better than religious Um <laughs> but, but then I think that now we do see a little bit more of a change uh, or, you know, they're trying to kind of like bring it back with like in the Mandalorian when I, when they mm-hmm. mentioned the M count, which we just all have to basically assume that they're referring to midichlorians, mm-hmm. but they, they haven't even said the word yet. Yeah, so like, how can we say it without pissing people off? <laughs> right. Right. I think they're still a little afraid of that, but, um, but yeah, I mean like how, do, what do you guys think? midichlorians are really since I don't think I mean or Trev have they been really explored through other media 
after they were mentioned? I not not really, not a lot. I think um, they just mentioned it in this episode I watched of Visions on Clone Wars, and did they? I think so. And Qui Gon said that the yes, Qui Gon said that they were like living organisms within beings, and that the Force communicates through the midichlorians. And that was the Clone Wars season six, episode eleven. Yeah, because yeah, essentially, so the higher your midichlorian count or your M count, mm-hmm. to be all twenty twenty, yes. uh, the higher your M count, the more you can connect to yeah. the Force. So, so the fo- Force, the midichlorians are a conduit that the Force travels through. Did did the Force create the midichlorians, or the <laughs> midichlorians are just at little organisms that just happen to have a? a they very... are the Force. The Force is everything. All is the Force, and the Force is everything. It's the energy within everything. Is the I, force everything or is the force the thing that binds everything? I think it, well, everyone brings their own interpretation of it. And Oz has a really good point. There's what is the storytelling trying to tell us, but every piece of storytelling will be interpreted by the people of its time and of its place mm-hmm. and of their own background. So for me, I think of it, I'm a, a practicing Buddhist, but I tend to think of the forces absolutely everything flowing through everything. But I think of the midichlorians a lot as genes. Now they're described as living little live, living microorganisms, but for me, when I I always try to relate everything to real life because for me, Star Wars really is real, and I think the force is communicating through all the creators of Star Wars. Um, so I think of it as genes, and certain people have genetic are more inclined to be psychic or more inclined to be mystical and it even flows down family lines it's even stronger in certain cultures or certain races or certain countries um in the during the inquisition you know the the catholic church killed many people that might have been genetically psychic um and now People's Republic of China are doing that in Tibet. But my point is, I think that for me, I see it as like like genes. And some people are just more genetically inclined. They even, I was listening to a scientist, I think it was Brian Green, the physicist talking about that they're searching for a God gene in people to try to mm-hmm. see if some people are genetically more inclined to be mystical. And I think that's a wild goose chase and but that's how I kind of think of the midichlorians. How about- Oz? Um, yeah, well, first I, I pulled up, uh, assuming that this transcript I found online on whatever this website is, uh, the quote from Liam Neeson, and okay. don't worry, Trev, I won't try to do a Northern Irish accent. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, all, all energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force, binding everything and communicating to us through the midichlorians. So his, I guess, interpretation is that the midichlorians are like the conduit through which anyone can talk to the force yeah. or sense it. Um, as for what I think they are, uh, a storytelling mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I was, I was 10 or 11 when Phantom Menace came out. And even then I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I love that. Um, because and and then you know a few years later I was I like any seventh grader was really into Dragon Ball Z which is all about like power levels and and all that uh, and that can be fun but I don't think that 
it has much of a place in Star Wars, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is so inherently mythical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of authors have shied away from it. And then mm-hmm. the few times it, it's been sort of touched on, it's like, okay, but that doesn't mean you're going to be a strong Jedi or, or mm-hmm. wise and powerful or whatever. Yeah. It's just one indicator. Um, I even yeah, heard I mean, I, there was a saying called midichlorian it. And that's when you realize like a mistake was made in storytelling and you just don't mention it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, yeah I mean, I think that line in the Clone Wars is maybe at least of, of any of Lucas's, sorry, of any of George's work, I think <laughs> is the only time it gets mentioned again. And it's, it's not in the sequels. And then, yeah, they briefly brushed past it in, uh, in Mando with the M count thing. And so I think they are toying with it and they're maybe going to try to find a way to make it sort of fit both worlds. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's the worst idea. Um, having some sort of little microscopic thing, which apparently Lucas's treatments for the sequels were going to like dive into the midichlorians. It was all going to be about the mm-hmm. symbiosis between yeah. so like, the force and midichlorians. We wouldn't have even needed to have this, interview because we could just watch his movies and oh there's the answer yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i'm not gonna lie that what i've heard of it sounds crazy but it yeah. absolutely nuts um but you, you make a good point oz about you know midichlorians not necessarily meaning that you're a, a powerful jedi or a strong jedi you know they say anakin's got a higher count than yoda but then you take someone like han solo blatantly got a decent midichlorian count what because of the castle lucky run? Yeah, yeah, same with Lando, you know, but his inherent doesn't mean he can touch the force, but he can charm his way out of any situation. Mm-hmm. And these aren't necessarily skills that they've learned, but their abilities they have because of their natural connection yeah. through midichlorians like to the force little without layers. being Jedi. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. It's... So your M count is like, is your like uh, ability scores on your D&D character sheet. <laughs> yeah well yeah but that's that's the part where you know to me star wars is at its strongest when it is not trying to be sciencey and i know mm-hmm. that i'm you know i'm a huge like sci-fi nerd and and i like when things are kind of like grounded in science but this is when when i feel when S- star wars has tried to go mm-hmm. into that that's when i feel like it misses the point because the idea of the force being mystical, for there to be magic in the world, for anyone to have the potential and the capacity to like connect to this magic, that's the strength of it. I mean, you know, Star Wars. I always say it's you know it's, and a lot of people say it, right. It is not science fiction. It is you know it's a space opera. It's this and that. It's a, it it's is a not sci-fi. It is not Star fantasy. Trek. Yeah. yeah. So it is a fantasy story. It is about some sort of like yeah like force it literally called the force that is magic and you have space wizards and this and that and and i think that um you know even the last jedi the, the strength of that movie you know say what you, you know, i know there's we know that there's a lot of controversy of that movie but i love like the movie. fact that at, at the end of that movie that there's just broom boy who yes. now also has access to the force like scene. it just means mm-hmm. that anyone can do this regardless of midichlorians or whatever mm-hmm. Um, I think of it if, a bit as like being an athlete, like genetically, you may have more fast twitch fibers or something, but that doesn't mean you'll be a great athlete or there yeah. could be someone who becomes a great athlete 
because they just worked really hard and that was their passion and their dedication. Yeah. Not yeah. And if and if I mean and if if this force were to be sort of sentient in some sort of way, kind of going bring, connecting it back to some other yeah conscious. I mean, couldn't it also just mean that at any given moment, and this is, couldn't it also just activate more in a person to be able to achieve something that is needed right at that one awaken. second? Mm. Yeah. Like, just like awaken, like being <laughs> yes. like, hey, mm. yes. we need more here. And this is, and Trev, if you like, you're losing Trev. Con- connecting it to something to even lose you even more. Think of it as in like the Matrix with like Agent Smith just being able to pop into any one civilian at any given time just in order to be able to continue fighting Neo. Well, I would put it this way that as far as paranormal experiences (laughs) go, a lot of people will have paranormal experiences at times of like great trauma or great danger. So Han being able to tap into the force during the Kessel Run, like when he's about to die probably. Um, And that, you know, is it's also been described paranormal experiences like our brain filters everything out our our brain filters things down so we can function and then at times of great danger or trauma that filter gets torn or that filter gets lifted so you're saying you're asking does the force like intentionally come through or does maybe what i'm saying is does maybe someone's filter kind of Mm. become more porous like maybe the force is always there and some people yeah. are a little more porous than others and are able to feel it. Like I was no, so when when Lando's down to his last few credits on that sabac table the and force you know, gave him that, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dealt his cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a scene in Revenge of the Sith when when Obi-Wan is going to fight Count Dooku with Anakin and it's written so gorgeous and so beautifully. And it just keeps describing Obi-Wan as being so clear. He's perfectly clear. So the force can flow through him so perfectly. And it's described as like pure light and clear water. Because he's so pure, he's kind of he's an open conduit to it. But I think these abilities are available to every all kinds of people in all sorts of situations. But what you said there about Obi-Wan being an open conduit, then it's something else we were going to talk about. Is he doing his will or is he doing mm-hmm. the force? He clearly will? says his will is set aside. And it it's really... And then Dooku clearly says he so is doing his will. He's almost will. a slave. What's that? He's almost a slave at that point. No, he's... He's so, doing whatever he's the force a, wants him to. He's surrendered to his, it. His own will. Exactly. So but there's a difference. To... Surrender is a hmm. choice. Slave is opposed to you from the outside like yoda says in this episode he surrenders to the force that's a choice that you make most people don't choose to be a slave unless it's some weird you know sex oh i can see you having thoughts (laughs) oh i just i gia came with receipts like she she had this, this quote from matthew stover uh which as a side note i feel like everyone has been reading that book lately like uh, everyone on Utini is like, oh, I finally read Revenge of the Sith. It's so good. Because it is. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be, but it's so good. <laughs> it, it's the best Star Wars book of all time. And yeah. he and it's, studied and it's extensively Eastern philosophy and Eastern martial <coughs> arts. And I think it's so reflected in that book. Although Andy, he also wrote Traitor, which is a book I was oh, on about okay. earlier. And if you read those two books. Oh, I'm going to read that for sure. They are both massive treaties on the force itself. Mm-hmm. But traitor is he is not 
playing the good guy in that. That's the dark but, side. You know, as okay. as an author, mm-hmm. he is making you challenge your opinion. So if you read those two back to back, all right, I'm gonna do I can that. imagine that being a trip. Yeah. And then, I mean, even on the subject of that book, he gets you know super metaphorical with it. The whole dragon inside the planet thing the, the sun you, dragon yeah um which is a myth in universe that then uh they tell to anakin shmi told to anakin and that's how he sees himself um like there's no dragon living inside Tatooine. obviously i don't know that happened in uh one of the comics but a crate dragon yeah. <laughs> okay he's dead now um there's but, more but Always like more that's dragons. that's sort of a metaphor for that i guess that anyone can see it and experience it differently i don't know and it's also about his his power is mm-hmm. right unbridled power inside of him mm-hmm. that he yeah. knows he's got yeah yeah because it was that. because it was predestined for him to have right yeah, <laughs> yeah essentially that's i mean it's it's all like is there even if the force does have okay so if if anakin was born through the force or because of the force and let's i i mean i am really leaning towards a way that yeah you're you're kind of like interpreting everything because i like the you know that it's not necessarily not necessarily that the force saying that this is um that, that there is no one set sort of balance but he comes in into the picture and he still has i mean he could have made different could he have could he have made different choices? I mean, I think he could have, right? So that is is that the idea yes, where he could have. You do, there is some sort of free will, mm-hmm. like. But if he had made a different choice, if they're at the end when Padme is with him, and she's like, "Leave it all behind," like for you know, mm-hmm. I know you did all this horrible stuff, <laughs> um, you just killed all the younglings and all this stuff, but just let's just run away. If mm-hmm. he had chosen to do that at that point. You know everything that we know of Star Wars would have been completely different, I guess, right? So, but is that could he did he really have a choice there? And could he could he have made a choice? I think okay, he had but, a choice. Before we get before we get onto that, I just want to say was he at that point too far seduced by the dark side? Yeah, I was going to say mm-hmm. I think I think that the choice to talk about was about three hours earlier. <laughs> yeah, <five>. yeah. <laughs> Right, but also, but it's like there's this like, hey, like you know, you you choose yeah, to do there something, were multiple and it's that little pop up window that says, yeah. hey, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. So his, his Padme was that pop up exactly. Yeah, he got his yeah, paper clip pop up on uh, Microsoft Word. You look like you're yeah. trying there to were, she the was, Jedi. Can I help? She, she was she was clippy. So yeah, there um, were multiple then, pathways he could have chosen. He was just being so adeptly manipulated along the way. I would say this sort of talks to, I think, maybe my biggest problem with uh, discussion in the fandom is the way people separate Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader as two different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it does take away his agency. They're like, yeah. oh, well, at that point he was Darth Vader. It's like, well, yeah, how did he get there? You know, he yeah. decided to push Mace Windu out a window and, <laughs> uh, and, and actively chose to bow down before Space Hitler. And and it's like yes, then cut forward twenty five years, he he makes the right decision. But it there's no for me. I don't think you can divide up the two people. He wow. chose that path and knowingly rode that path for most mm-hmm. of his life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't suddenly switch back to this free-thinking individual once he finally you know, confronts his son. I think that's, I think that's a less compelling story. Back to the storytelling thing, but um, it, you know, I, I think we can talk about predestination and all that. But he still had the free will. He could have gone a different mm-hmm. direction. Is there such a thing as, in your views, can you be seduced by the dark side? Is there a dark side? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I G, think... G, great with a one-word accent. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolute. So I guess she's a Sith, right? Well, it's... Um, um, I don't... I think the Force contains all. It contains everything, and there's light, and there's dark, there's there's day, there's night. But are these separate things? The sky and sunshine, and there's the deep, dark depths of the ocean. They're all one... Con- they're all continual. But you can call upon different different forces can call upon different energies and immerse yourself in different you can immerse yourself in pain or immerse yourself in compassion and it's going to affect what comes through you i guess trevor but kind I, of what what your question is getting at is like is there an active dark side or is the dark side just the name we give to you know power and corruption and hate whatever because yeah. yeah i think you yeah can, absolutely because you, you can definitely get yeah. corrupted by those things um and by yeah. other people who are harnessing those emotions and, i think and you'd be um, corrupted by the power mm-hmm. rather than oh no i did a i did a bad thing or let me do more bad things right yeah. um i don't know if it's if it's that there is this like you know the angel and the demon on your shoulders well uh, i've got to say that um having well i was a firefighter paramedic for 16 years in miami dade and I think there is a true dark side that is not super common. Like in my whole, I was a, an EMS probably 18 years. And that time I was on a lot of stabbings, a lot of shootings, a lot of murders. And most of them are just because someone's angry. Someone's trying to take something from someone else. But every now and then there was a call that was so freaking dark and weird and sick and it wasn't because they were angry and it wasn't because they were stealing anything it was just because it was fun like they did it for entertainment and it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it and I thank god most people haven't seen it it's like a it's like a smell or like a feeling or like a taste it kind of reminds me of that saying of like well how do you define porn that you'll know, you know it when, when you, you see it. it. It's like yeah. that with evil. Like it's really impossible to define. And I don't think it's that common because in my entire career, I saw it maybe twice or three times. But I think it is, well, if you're a spiritual person and you believe in God or angels or any of that, I believe in everything just so everyone knows. Um, then, the, then everything exists and so it all it's all a continuum that's just my yeah. two cents and bringing it back to the sort of within the star wars um way of looking at things it's and i think maybe to answer your kind of to what you were bringing up trev um and the force is the force it's uh it is it is some sort of energy some sort of something um but it does what you choose to do with it mm-hmm. and how you use it, that's up to technically the person. 
So if mm-hmm. you choose to do evil with it, then that's what the that's what people to me that is what then what people refer to as a dark side. There is no dark side. There is no light side. It is just it is just a force. But if you are you know if you've been exposed to a lot of horrible stuff in your life and you have hate and blah blah blah, then you are going to and you have this sort of um, connectivity to the force. Then yeah, you're going to use that for evil things. Because you are you have this power, and then you're going to go that route. If you, you know, I mean, there's the whole nature versus nurture thing of things. So I mean, I, I know it's not one or the other entirely, but I, to me, the idea is that the force is the force, and that well, yeah, it's I up ask, to the person. Do you think there's certain environments, like we know in the Star Wars world, there's certain planets that are stronger in it. There's certain planets stronger in the light side and stronger mm. in the dark side. So where does that mm. fit in, Jose? Like, do you believe that you can enter into certain environments or places or vibrations? That's, yeah. That's a good question. That is a, no, that's <laughs> a really good question. That's because, like, right, the Yoda chose Dagobah because mm-hmm. it has a lot of dark force sort of, like, energy in there. So if it is true that the force is just one thing and that it is up to the individual to <laughs> use that to, for good or evil then how would there be a planet that is more dark side than light side? Well, you could think of the force (laughs) as the ocean, which is one thing, but there's still places within the ocean or there's waves or there's currents or there's deep, deep crevices, dark pitch black crevices, which doesn't mean they're bad or evil. Um, It can still be one and connected and have different places or currents. I currents within it. I don't, but I mean, it's a little bit too. Sometimes, I mean, you'd start mixing up all the, all your different pop culture references when you think of like some of the things that people have done with the force as like horcruxes. And if you can just sort of like bring in some really like old school Sith to have come to Dagobah, for example, and then just sort of like harnessed or transformed a lot of that existing force and just made it dark. And then that's why, right. like, now this place remains dark because there was just sort of, mm. like, it just got like all corrupted. Like bleeding a and kyber it, crystal. Right, mm. right. So, like, you sort of just kind of, like, manipulate it, manipulate it, and then all that's mm. left is a residue mm. of darkness. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, so, that is kind of the story of Mustafar, right, Trev? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it used to be a more lush, cool place, and then something made all the lava happen. I can't remember. Ooh. You just went through this whole history of the Force. <laughs> Four billion years. I can't years. Rem- remember everything all the time. It's, <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> I think, and I always bring uh, everything back. Oh, go ahead, Oz. No, that, that's basically all. Is that I think Mustafar fits Jose's example mm-hmm. that it is a dark side place now, and then you know you see it in. Um, in the Rise of Skywalker, of course, none of us knew until we read the book that that was Mustafar. Yeah. Um, because I don't think J.J. Abrams knew that. But it looks a lot different than it did in Revenge of the Sith. Because, and th- now so you're we're saying getting, it's healing. Right, which we're, this is your favorite territory, getting into the deep weird stuff, is that that is detailed, I think, in Vader Immortal, that VR game that I have not played. But uh, I, I have a passing familiarity with it. So yeah, there's definitely it's it's one of those I think illusions that the story group probably came up with once they decided that those trees belonged on a planet called Mustafar and went, wait, we can use this. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. there is a 
an overarching almost healing of the galaxy. Yeah, I, I yeah, again, that's betrayed a... by this one planet. And right. if Mustafar was healing, then anybody maybe had. there maybe there was some <laughs> sort of balance achieved because it was allowed to heal. We're yeah, we're heading towards balance. Yeah, so and it then, was going in the right direction. And then Luke tried to kill his nephew. <laughs> and he brought it back. Cocked it all up. Yeah. Um, well, so one thing I want to go back, go on to is so we're talking about the light side and the dark side, and again, this comes from that book Traitor because I was literally blasting through a lot of this today because I knew there were some great quotes in it and I wanted to find them. And it talks about the fact that the Jedi Temple was built on a massive mm. nexus of dark side energy, so it's there, you know, ostentatiously to. To balance the dark with the light, you've got a temple on it. Mm. But it basically Which says happens the, like, the today secret. In, Israel, in Italy and places like that. Okay. Um, but it basically says that the Jedi are aware that there is no dark side. Legends. They know that there's. Yes. But, you know, it's written by Matthew Stone. Yeah. This is what I was yeah. saying about the reflection from the Revenge of the Sith mm. book. Is that they say, mm. in, in my book, they say what we call the dark side is the raw unrestrained force itself yeah so yeah. you call it the dark side when you find that you give yourself over wholly to the force mm. but the jedi on the light side they require you to limit your passions which therefore limits your power mm -hmm. and passion that is guided actually allows you to become a more powerful jedi and so then, you have to have a more balanced approach then. There's that's a balance. slippery slope that every dark magician hears because it seems it's in a number of the novels. I You've read a million times more than me, but like in Dark Disciple, it's always through embracing the negative side of passion because there's positive passions, but it's always embracing the hatred and the rage and like Absolutely, but the Jedi don't allow you emotions. to have any. Well, it's embracing because, and I and I think that it's also because those are shortcuts to that yeah. to achieving that level. I don't mm -hmm. I don't think that you know I think you can get to to the all the knowledge that the force has to offer and all the power and all that, but you just have to be a lot more patient and achieve like yeah, kind of like true balance within yourself in order to be able to use the force in a way that is for good. Like but Yoda, when, but it's a lot easier to years. to choose the sort of like hatred because it's a lot easier to access those feelings than mm -hmm. to be able to get to like love and happiness and all that mm -hmm. so when you choose hate when you choose like negativity then you're already kind of like getting to the force through a short to yeah mm -hmm. this shortcut that then then is corrupted mm -hmm. because you, you didn't get to it through like a place of good mm -hmm. um and but yeah to do on to contrast that with the Jedi, is that the fact is like the Jedi don't even are not even allowing themselves to fully explore anything to that extent, and they surrender themselves to the Force because they're afraid to really know how to like use it. So oh, perhaps Jose. because it's sort of well, no, because the the I have the, a theory the, about this too. <laughs> the, the Sith, the Sith just want to yeah they like they get to it through a shortcut and then they start like using it, but it's like they try to like control it, and this is a theft. This is a thing that you cannot control. It's way too big. But then the Jedi are sort of like, ah, eh, like there's too much out there. Let's just sort of stop ourselves here because we don't even want to know what goes past this line. Mm -hmm. Because then you start to think about other other force connection people like the Bendu, mm -hmm. where it's like they don't see light and dark. They're like the force just is, right? 
So how does that start to fit in with everything when you have people that are just like, you know, just you're so focused on a binary way of looking at things when it is all about like it's it's just different degrees of the same thing. That is true. The Jedi are quite binary, but I think of it because I, I think of it like with with Buddhists or even magicians, like there's this idea that with great power comes enormous responsibility and with great power comes a great potential to do harm. So they Mm -hmm. tend to really focus at least spiritual traditions on ethics and morality, because if, if they become unethical, like Anakin, there, the potential for harm is so immense. It's like, if you're going to give someone that much power they have to be very pure in a way because yeah. it's too much yeah. power for people or beings to have in a way. And I think that's why the Jedi did get really um, cautious. They got super cautious with the prophecy. That's all fascinating subject. We could do a whole episode just on, <laughs> on prophecy I mean, that's <laughs> and divination well, because I do divination and I thought about this whole prophecy thing a lot especially with COVID and everything was so up in the air for years. And I think the dark side of divination or prophecy is that it can be this desire to control. You want to know what's going to happen so you can control things. Um, And that maybe um, if you become too fixated could lead to the dark side. (laughs) No, and I'm glad you brought up the kind of brought it back a little bit to the whole um, prophecy of it all. Cause I I did want to bring up a question and uh, Oz, maybe you can uh, take the lead on this, but sure. um, just uh, with the idea of prophecy and predestination and stuff that we started to talk to touch on earlier, um, I'm just curious because uh, then there's a whole world between worlds, and mm-hmm. you know what does that really represent, and or is there what potential? Is there potential in there to, to explore more into, like, even just time travel if we want to go more science fiction again with things? Or should they even do that? So, like, just, you know, kind yeah. of what, what, what are your thoughts about that? And, and should we keep touching it or not? Or just leave it be with whatever right. Filoni was thinking about yeah. that one day when I he came up with that? This is one of those things, as Gia said, that we can just midichlorian it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to I say I, I love season three of rebels or for whichever yeah. season that was. Um, it's maybe both. I don't know. Uh, I think it's a great story. The war between worlds. Um, but I would just as soon leave it there. Um, because yeah. then you do have to get into the, how does it work? And mm-hmm. people want the answers. And like you were saying, I think answering some of those questions makes star Wars less interesting. Um, yeah. and anytime like people try to bring in mm-hmm. rules to it, it, it just, I like that in other franchises. You know, I, I like knowing how things work. When there's time travel, it's fun to figure out, all right, back to the future, how did Marty disappear from the picture? That All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's fine to just, you know, leave things a mystery. And, and the more you use it, then the more you have to explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was something that worked really well for one story. Uh, but it would it could get dangerous to keep bringing it back. Because then it it can cheapen things and it's like, okay, well, why didn't the force use the war between worlds to stop Palpatine or, <laughs> or literally yeah. anything else? Uh, why did it only care about Ahsoka? And it's, yeah. well, cause Dave was writing it. My friend Dave. <laughs> <laughs> See, well, my, my take on, on that is that 
again, I'm with you, Oz. I, I love the season, but, you, you know, we can bury that. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel that it they, that whole World Between Worlds portal, wormhole, whatever you want to call them, there was literally one purpose kind of dictated by the Force mm-hmm. is that Ezra grabs Ahsoka at that moment. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, they couldn't be used for anything else. I see. Yeah. I it wouldn't know. work. But there's all those other doors that we see. But uh, we, we we don't see anybody go through them. No, but that's the only thing that sort of would have actually worked. Yeah, I think this I, is all taken from shamanism and journeying. And there's even journeys people do through all these different doorways. And they brought shamanism into the book of Boba Fett when he has his vision quest. And mm-hmm. I see them drawing more and more upon it. Filoni and later. Yeah, so I mean, that's why I'm like, I'm a little... Cons- I'm. That's why I'm also just kind of wondering where, you know especially with some, you know, all the Disney Plus shows becoming a lot, a little bit more about the Filoni-verse rather than, like, yeah. trying to tell, explore all these other stories because it's sort of Filoni just like, well, I kind of touched on this at one point, so let's now make a whole series about it. And yeah. when you I look at the Ahsoka logo and everything, right, like, it it's, looks it's the world like the world between worlds. worlds. So yeah. I'm like... <laughs> um, see, I think I would, I would absolutely be interested in going back to Lothal uh, at, at any time period and seeing like why does this planet have such a strong connection to the force and what does that mean and we can maybe talk about oh and by the way there was this little little incident that happened here once but uh, don't worry you can't do it again uh, yeah <laughs> because I, I think that like that was something that surprised me so much about that show is is how deep into lore it got at times yeah and and about these high level things um, it was like mystical that show yeah well, would you if the if we do touch on Lothal and like Ahsoka or one of his other shows, mm-hmm. um, and like and you like you're saying, oh, this is a thing that this just happened. I mean, then my question to that would be, and Gia, what do you think about this? But then, is um, are should us as viewers and as lovers of the franchise and whatever you want to call your ourselves, devotees. Um, but should we or and and not only us, right? But then everyone in general, should we all be expected to have seen every single other Star Wars media thing in order yes. to then enjoy it? <laughs> well, but well, but the reality is not everyone has the time yeah. for it, and I think it's cool that you know so if we do go back to Lothal and like, and then there's like, oh yeah, there was some, at some point, some dude went through a rock and then entered this all black space. And there were all these doorways where he could have jumped into any point in time, but let's not talk about it anymore. Right. And then everyone who has not seen rebels or who has not read books are like, wait, what the fuck? Like what? Like, um, is that satisfying for I, a regular viewer? So I think there are ways <laughs> to do it. Um, like okay look at Cobb Vance I think that mm-hmm. is like the perfect example of he comes from a short interlude chapter in a book that these days isn't all that relevant so a lot of people aren't picking up and reading uh, he was basically just a throwaway character but then they brought him on screen and if, you, if you've never read that book like most people watching Mando haven't uh, it, you don't notice you just think oh it's Timothy Oliphant looking great um, whereas like <laughs> I was like sitting. I, I was sitting that morning watching. I was like, "Oh my god, it's the guy from the book." That's that's crazy. Um, so it's that little bit of reward, but then that's a minor thing. You this Ahsoka show, you're running into potential issues, like you said, that 
maybe my biggest issue with Ahsoka moving to live action is that they there's no way they can't address the Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, and so I, I would kind of wish that Ahsoka was an animated show just because it keeps that consistent. Because there are a lot of people who will check it out because it's live action on Disney Plus and it spins off of Mandalorian. Uh, and then the second someone says Ezra Bridger, they're going to be like, who? Yeah. Um, now I that's we're prejudging. It's not out till next year or whenever it is, and uh, maybe maybe they find a way to balance it. Like because her appearances in Mandalorian, you don't have to know anything about her. It's maybe right. a little confusing because there are people are like, wait, there's this other Jedi who's been around, and <laughs> but I, yeah, because in, in Ahsoka, we know that they're looking for Ezra. They're gonna have to mention the Purgle. Like there's no way they can't talk about these space whales, right? That that carried Ezra and Thrawn away. Um, and that's going to be weird. Like, I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to do that. Um, and do they talk about the Bindu, which how cool would that be? But that's another thing that would confuse people. So no, I don't think that they should expect people to have seen it. And that's maybe going to be a problem. It's uh, star or not star Wars. We're talking about star Wars. Marvel's going through the same thing right now Yeah, with all their shows. And Mm -hmm. so far, maybe my biggest problem with that is how little they've mattered. You know, you go watch the latest movie. It doesn't matter if you've seen the show cause it doesn't talk about it, which yeah. is good for the, the hundred million people watching the movie that, that haven't seen the TV yeah. show, but it's, it's definitely a tough balance to strike. I think star Wars is pretty good at being able to connect to people on all different levels. So the people who don't know a lot about it can find it entertaining. And then the serious devotees can, can get a lot out of it. But, now, with the High Republic novels, that got a little tricky because the novels were really tying in with the comics, and mm-hmm. I was trying to read everything. But when I came to the last High Republic adult novel, an entire main character was completely left out of it, and her story was yeah. all in the comics. And that that was disappointing for me. But if someone hadn't read the comics, then they would really not have known what was going on with her so it is a it is a balance they have to find that's the writer's job with ahsoka yeah no i mean i I think that i i think every medium should be able to stand well on its own and every story Mm -hmm. that you're trying to tell Mm -hmm. should stand well on its own and not assume that you will have a trilogy to explain whatever you're talking about um uh, and and not assume that everyone's going to be then have the time to watch 10 episodes of a of a show um right i mean you know we as star wars fans have like the awful stereotype of of someone's like well this thing didn't make any sense like actually if you have (laughs) (laughs) but i mean you know know what you mean (laughs) there was there was a 300 word story that was published (laughs) on on the website in 1994 now it's it's not available anymore but i've got a printout copy for you trev sent me that yeah yeah Yeah. because i know that i have heard from a lot of more the more passive star wars like viewers and that when i think well, when, when the Mandalorian came out, obviously they just think that that was Boba Fett. And then you have to explain to them, no, that is not Boba Fett. That is this. And it's like, well, when is this happening? Like, shouldn't this? And then everyone's just confused because, like, I think that a lot of... T- I th- when people just think that everyone has the access to Disney+, Plus and they have, mm-hmm. like, and they can watch mm-hmm. things right away, mm-hmm. and, and every single iteration of something, then they're just... I mean, they're kind of using it as a crutch. Even with the expanded, like... Uh, 
uh, novelizations mm-hmm. from the movies. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that like Rise of, like I enjoyed it as a, it was you know Rise of Skywalker had its issues sure as a movie. I think it was too much of a movie to try to like tell in one movie. Like they, he JJ tried to do too much with it, and then that's why like the novelization works a little bit better because I think it's it had the ability to have more time to like put it together because it's a shame that a lot of those things don't make it into the screen and then there's like well you know whatever what whatever you did, we didn't get to film whatever we cut out someone will read it and then that might explain it a little bit better right. but then it just takes away from the movie or the tv show or the book it, like being able to be a good thing on yeah. its own and star wars is so universal i mean people all over the world everywhere i go they love it but a lot of them don't yeah. have disney plus and can't get disney plus and yeah. it's not fair that only Americans can follow, but, you know, and and Brits can follow the whole storyline. We want everyone to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. And now we're getting we'll into, into geopolitics and, <laughs> and copyright law. Disney Plus should be available yeah. everywhere in the world. To everyone. <laughs> <laughs> free. Yes, free. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars is a public service. We're we're running a little bit out of time in here, so I did have you both, Oz and Gia. I gave you guys a little bit of homework before today's episode, so I do want to make sure that we touch on those before closing the show. Right. So, Oz, um, why don't we do it this way? Why don't now that we've talked for an hour and everyone has been hearing your voices, why don't you start by like talking a little bit about your, you know, very quickly, like how you came to Star Wars slash Utini. And then, you know, how many movies, TV shows, books do you have, like, sort of, you know, how how familiar you are with all of it? And then ask this question, because this is a segment that I like to call Trump Trev. And <laughs> we're just going to ask Trev a question and see if he can answer it. And then we can talk about it for a little bit after that. Yeah. So, Gia, why don't we, or Alas, who, who Gia, wants go to start? For it. Okay. I'm going to give my age away, but I was nine years old when Star Wars came out. And I was visiting my grandmother in Louisiana, and my mother said, take her to see International Velvet. And Star Wars was playing at the theater, and I'm like, oh, what is this? My, but my grandma took me to see International Velvet, and I snuck out of the theater <laughs> into Star Wars, and I walked in when C-3PO was walking across the desert of Tatooine. Fantastic. And I was just stunned. I had grown up in the country, didn't really have TV, and I had never seen an image like that. And it was just so new to me and so wild. And it really imprinted itself. When I was 12, I saw Empire Strikes Back. And it's really influenced my whole entire life. I've wanted to be a Jedi my whole entire life. And it's it's really <laughs> influenced my whole spiritual life. And I've gotten a degree in religion and study a lot of different traditions, but I practice Buddhism. And then in, but I hadn't read the books. I watched when COVID happened in 2020, I got locked down. And that's when I started watching Clone Wars and Rebels. And that's when I found Utini and began reading the books. I've mostly read canon and I really got into the books because of the High Republic. I've read pretty much all the High Republic comics books, except the script stories I haven't done those. And of course, I've watched all the TV shows, though I haven't watched the Resistance and I've watched all the movies over and over and over, except the Ewok movies. I haven't seen those. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you do me <laughs> like that? Oh, that's literally Trevor's favorite piece of Oh, is it really? So <laughs> take much. it, Oz. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, 
Well, first off, I want to say it's cool. I've heard a million stories of people who saw it in the theaters. I've never heard one that didn't include seeing the opening crawl. Uh, so that, <laughs> that you came in after like the most iconic shot and, and still fell for it is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I came to it uh, early in life. I was born late 80s. We had the box set um, from like from as early as I remember. So I must have been around four the first time I watched them. Like, I don't really remember watching them the first time. Um, I wore those tapes out and then special editions came out in 97. My dad and I went and saw those and like that blew my mind. I didn't even care that there's new do backs and, uh, an added <laughs> Boba Fett scene. I, I certainly didn't notice who shot first and didn't care. I was just having, <laughs> I was just having a good time. Uh, then I was in fourth grade, which I feel like was like the perfect age for the prequels. Um, when Phantom Menace came, I mean, everyone had, you know, a double bladed lightsaber at school and we, that we probably got in trouble for playing with. Um, I, I dabbled some in the comics when I was in college. Like we did a whole marathon where we watched all six movies. And that was the first time I saw, uh, the 2003 Clone Wars and the holiday. We watched the holiday special. That was the first and only time I've seen it. (laughs) I like Um, it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to dig deeper. And I got some comics, but it wasn't really until the canon reset that I was like, oh, now I can start from the beginning. Um, and I've been keeping up with it then. So I've got I've got all the canon books. In fact, Trev, you tried to call me once when I posted a picture of my shelf. You were like, well, you don't have these. And I went to my other yeah. shelf. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, those those get stored in a different place, because I mean, the worst part about this hobby is how much space it takes up. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I came to Utini, found Corey, or Corey found me online because uh, I make little projects, none of which I've done in the like two or three years <laughs> since I've been here. I do uh, other random stuff now. Uh, and then we all met at Celebration, and that's how we got to where we are. Yeah. All right, so how are we going to trump Trev? <clears throat> Gee, let's see what you got. Well... I don't know if I'm really following the rules. It's, I don't know if it's going to trump him. I just wanted to hear all of your opinion on this. And it, mm-hmm. my question is, if Anakin had never gone to the dark side and become Darth Vader, could he still have defeated Darth Sidious? Could Anakin and Obi-Wan have done it together or Mace and Yoda? Were they strong enough or did Anakin need to sacrifice a part of himself, become Darth Vader to destroy Darth Sidious? Was this all part of the plan? Very, very yes. topical, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, um, I don't think he needed that's to That's a really, really Vader. good question. Um, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't become Vader, then his only other options really are to run off with his kids and not fight Palpatine, and then Palpatine becomes even more powerful. Could- he was... Could Obi-Wan and Anakin have defeated Sidious together, do you think? Yes. You do? They 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 could have. They should have. Yeah. If Palpatine right. hadn't spent the last 10 years making sure that that would never happen mm-hmm. by manipulating Anakin. Yeah. And I mean, driving they, the wake between had them. The opening of Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. could have been the end. And then yeah. Palpatine <laughs> twisted the knife. But that's also Ultimately, just assuming... Palpatine was too clever. Yeah, Trev, you're you're also just assuming that that it is Palpatine who's responsible for for like Anakin's hatred, and I don't know. 
I'm going to question that. He definitely throws some seeds in there. Uh, through, through seeds, but I think that he had already, he had hatred in him from the beginning. I would say I think trauma. Would be... he was well, trauma and hatred. I mean, he grew, I, you know, when he talks to like Padme in, in like in uh, Attack of the Clones, <clears throat> he's talking about how much he hates sand. So I think <laughs> he was a even slave. Before she... Yeah, so he was a slave and wasn't a sand planet. There was not a lot of good stuff in his life. So I think that I, you know, we we're giving too much credit to uh, to Palpatine here. I don't. I don't. <laughs> in that think same that, in uh... that same conversation, he uh, in that same conversation, he straight up advocates for a dictatorship. Uh, and like, <laughs> there's no way yeah. he came to that opinion on his own. Right. Well, so, he grew up that, powerless, and see, he I wanted was, power. Yeah, I don't know. I think Palpatine's like, hey, you should tell your girlfriend how great it would be if I was the only one who had power in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he was already predisposed to go in, going into that side, which kind of just maybe unravels a lot of the stuff that we said, because maybe the the force was making him dark anyways. Um, yeah. But <laughs> under a that, whole hour of talk. Yeah. I guess it's just like, <laughs> one more question, because I've never been clear on this. Did Sidious kill Padme? Was he behind that all? Uh, now, she, she, she died of a broken heart. She, she died did of die sadness. Of a broke, but was he <laughs> manipulating? He was putting those dreams into Anakin's mind. And um, well, I was going to mention that literally just now. That would be the fascinating retcon to me to find out that Palpatine was responsible for the nightmares of Padme dying, which is what drove him to want to save her life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that would be top notch to me. I'd, I, I'd love that. It wouldn't be. It would close the loop. As far it as would close the loop, and I, and I think with what he was doing or what he claims to have done in in the sequel trilogy, where he's just sort of like you know manipulating Kylo Ren or mm-hmm. Ben since he was a young kid, then it does track that he is that powerful mm-hmm. of a force user that he can sort of like inception his way and plant those seeds <laughs> into your like subconscious so that then you like start dreaming about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it, with the sequel trilogy, it kind of makes sense that he that he has been doing stuff like that the whole time, which is why the whole trilogy does or uh, saga is not just a Skywalker saga, but it's also the Palpatine saga. Because mm. if we end up with like, it's, it's uh, more Rey, the Palpatine saga than yeah, the Skywalker saga. It's about his rise and always having control up until the end, and then his granddaughter takes <laughs> takes his takes the mantle. So. Skywalker saga? Questionable. <laughs> now, now we're really getting into the sequel discussion. <laughs> right at the end, right? Um, uh, what about you, uh, uh, us? Yeah, what did mine, you want to bring up? Uh, it's not a straightforward trivia question, but uh, you, you kind of mentioned if we have any favorite characters. Yeah. And something I, I always like to see people talk about is like their favorite background characters and minor mm-hmm. characters, side characters. So I've got one in Trevor. I'm going to drip feed you some clues. That, okay. I, that, I, that I found on Wikipedia because I did not know all this stuff uh, off the top of my head to see it, at what point you can figure out who it is. So, right. uh, top level, he's from Corellia. <laughs> it's a pretty open book there. I'm going to go with Boshek, first guess. No, uh, th- but okay. I've never even heard of that person. <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy who introduces Obi-Wan to Chewie in Mos Eisley. Oh, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I... I, my, I lost my mind for a second there, of course. <laughs> um, I would argue that this is the most loving character in the whole saga. Ooh. 
Most loving. Wow. Okay. And also has arguably the saddest scene in any movie. Is it the Ewok that dies in Return of a Jedi? <laughs> no, no, Ewok wouldn't be from Corellia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Gia, I see your face too. If you know the answer, I, you could just jump I in wanted, too. <laughs> I wanted to pull in like some comic or something he had been in. He, he has very few appearances in Legends. Uh, it seems his main one was in a game called Star Wars Demolition that I hadn't heard of until just now. Okay. Um, Aura Singh was in it. She was a Gamorrean in it. And lovable too. It was, it was like um like Twisted Metal for the PlayStation Two. That's so what one it of those seems like. You... Yeah. Yeah. It's like a battle uh, no. royale. No, I haven't got it still. Okay. Uh, he was played by an actor called Paul Brook. I'd be shocked if you <laughs> didn't know that. No. Pull that up. Um, but sometimes he, something might. He wears less clothes than Prince than Slave Leia. <laughs> Is it the um? Ah, uh, Wilro Hood. Wilro Hood's no. fully dressed. Yeah, he's fully dressed. Oh. Uh, you I'm, said... I'm thinking of like pink boom mic guy. Oh, no. <laughs> that's that's my favorite cosplay, you... by the way. <laughs> um, th- no, this guy is is it's in the same scene as Leia uh, in the outfit, but he lives down. Oh, is it Maliki? 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 Yeah. I love that guy. Okay, but the Rancor Keeper guy. Yeah, his scene coming in after Luke drops the Rancor has like... Yeah. That's the closest I've come to crying watching Star Wars. It's so touching. (laughs) The saddest story. It's such a minor thing, but I love that scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's always spoken Mm -hmm. to me. I I think it's inclusion. And yeah, he loves that Rancor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that brings us back to those chapters with Cobb Vanth. He shows up and he gets uh, a baby hut to take care of, I think. Which... They did not mention on the TV show. No. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that was my Trump Trev, which I you got there eventually. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Trev. I can relate to being upset by the Rancor Dine. Like, the Rancor toy was probably my favorite as a kid. Oh, sure. You know, because they, they were just kick-ass when you're eight, nine, ten years old and you've got something like that. He also ate my wicket and I never got it back. I was going to ask you, it's like, mm. you were the one who had, like, you put the, like, other sort of thing inside and then it was just inside of his uh well like wicked was the only figure that would fit so when (laughs) when you're that age (laughs) so he's he's stuck up in your rancor somewhere it's still in his stomach somewhere yeah yeah wherever that rancor is nowadays no no (laughs) fantastic all right well um i think that pretty much is for today do you guys have anything else you want to want to talk about um, want to bring up? I think we covered a, a pretty yeah. far breadth. Of <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I could have easily gone for another three hours here, but I'm also just trying to be respectful. I could of too, your guys's and time. we didn't really. <laughs> so we, can we do didn't really get into prophecy a lot. But... Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we, yeah Gia can... wants to come back for a prophecy episode. <laughs> we'll we'll do that. We'll do that. Um, Trev, I think this is so. This is episode 48. So we have the big 50 coming up. We should yeah, probably so come up with we've, some We've already topics. planned 50. 50's going to be incredible. So, listeners, look out for that. A couple of weeks is going to be massive. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next episode. We should probably do something special, lead, like our pre-50th episode episode. Wait, 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 wait. What? I have it. I have it. 
Well, we, we talked about Anakin um, and where his hatred comes from. Um, and, you know, I've been asking for this oh, for a dude. long time. No. So um, no. I think that <laughs> episode, <laughs> next episode, I mean, it should be 50, really. But um, I think it's sand. Sand. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> a, an in-depth conversation of sand in the Star Wars universe? Yeah. There's, there's a uh, lot of mystical fine, connections there. Fine. We'll do Sam. Are you serious? The Desert uh, Fathers. But look, for, for you, Jose, it. for you, we'll do Sand. Yes. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll do Sand. sand. I just right, told you, I we're talking about Sand. Back, yeah, we'll, talk we'll about, do we'll, Sand. We'll make it a three-hour-long special, <laughs> um, and it'll be all about Sand. Um, we can talk about all, you know, pink sands and sand crystals, and there's so many things. Sand castles? Sand castles. Yeah. That's all I got. There's a there's that great uh, comic in the Age of Rebellion where uh, is it Wedge and and Porkins go off on a little day off together to the beach. Oh, they go on holiday. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk they about go that. Go on holiday to the beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Hawaiian shirts is great. See, there's so much to talk about sand, and I've been asking <sighs> for this for a long time, and you always say no. Okay, fine, sand. Right, Ro- <laughs> roll VT. Come on. <laughs> okay, I don't know what I just committed myself to now (laughs) because it was meant to be half joke but um i'm excited all right okay anyways um as a quick note before a sign off to uh i don't know if jose and and trev have ever plugged this but since i have firsthand experience i'll go ahead and say if you're going to celebration next year buy trev a drink you'll have a good time (laughs) (laughs) yeah sure yeah everyone buy me drinks yes (laughs) All right. Well, um, I think that's it for that. Well, that will be it for today. Not that I think, but that will be it for today. Trev, we didn't do a batshit crazy book of the week, but maybe we can save that for next yeah, we'll time. Yeah, we'll do something. All right. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, if for some reason you haven't yet, make sure to join our Discord. We have a very active community there sharing their thoughts on the latest episode of whatever show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, reading along to the newest book release, selling their books and collectibles, and sharing their artwork and fanfic. Most importantly, that is where you can get the latest news and discuss anything Star Wars Archives. If you have not joined, just head on over to utinia.com discord and click the join now button on that page. Uh, Trev, where, what's our Twitter handle and where can people find you? So we are at SWArchivesPod and I am at Davey Todd. Uh, on Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah, and I am at D-J-O-X-I-I-I. Uh Oz, anything else you want to plug besides telling people to buy Trev drinks? <laughs> buy them too. That sounds like another good segment. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, if if I'm at Celebration, if we're all for at Celebration next year, we'll do this same conversation but live at the bar. Okay. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. And it, it, it might go two or three hours. Uh, no, I don't have anything to plug. I don't have, I guess I technically have a Twitter. I haven't, I don't use it, so you can't find me there. My Instagram is set All to right. private, so if I don't know you, don't follow me. <laughs> He's a very that, private that's person. That's it for me. <laughs> all right. You will find him here next time he comes to join us to <laughs> talk right. about prophecies and all in Star Wars. Gia, what about you? Nope, nothing much. I'm on Instagram at Gia Half. G-E-A-H-A-F-F. But it's probably pretty boring. Mostly my trips and (laughs) travels. Okay. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I really, I mean, I really think we could have gone for a number of hours Mm. here. Uh, So sorry to cut some of that stuff short. Um, But, 
yeah, I mean, we've got over an hour here of content, so I think we're pretty good for today. Uh, thank you, Trev, for, you know, as always, for being here and bringing some sort of, like, you know, actual facts to this show <laughs> besides just me rambling. And thank you to all of our Patreon members for supporting us and making this show possible. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say, radio out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>